This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. All right, so we will continue the teaching on ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. Again, we've spent many weeks in this family life sessions talking about the spirit and the soul. And now we're going to wrap this teaching up around the body. And, and again, I'm excited about this um, teaching as well. And my, my portion of this in the body is talking about the role of the body and subtitle it, The Body is for the Lord. And uh, again, we'll get into what all that means, but just subtitle it, The Body is for the Lord. All right. Um, and so what I like about, about these teachings around spirit, soul, and body, and now we, you know, everything you heard, and this is just, and I'll make sure I say this is just a companion message that goes on with everything else that was said. Do not take this message out of context and not with everything else that was said, because then you're going to miss what God is saying to you. And understand, God is speaking to us, right? And so make sure you hear, connect the dots, connect all the messages, right, so that you can really hear what God is saying to us about ministering to the family. And so that's why I look at the body, and, and, I, and I like this, because, you know, the body is different than the spirit. The body is different than the soul, right? And, and, and so, well, how is the body different? It's one simple thing. The body you can see. The body is tangible. You know, you can't really see someone's spirit. And their soul is abstract. You know, we kind of understand what that means, but you can't see it. But the body, <laughs> you can see so I, and I love that. So now we talk about ministering to the spirit and the soul and the body. The body is truly an expression of what's going on in your spirit and in your soul. So what are you doing? You know, what's happening in your spirit and soul is going to show up in your body. Right. Your body is going to show, hey, this is what's happening in my spirit. This is what's going on in my soul. That's why I like dealing with the body. Because, you know, you can say one thing. Oh, my soul does my spirit good. But your body doesn't say that it does your spirit good. Oh, my soul is refreshed. But your body is showing that your soul is not refreshed. See, it's made. Your body needs to line up with your, your, your spirit and your soul. And it's going to show what you, what's going on in your spirit and your soul. So that means the body is the instrument you use to perform the intentions of your spirit and your soul. Again, the body is the instrument. It's a vessel. It's an instrument that you use. Notice I said you use. So you need to separate you from your body. Your body is an instrument. Right? You live in you. The actual you live inside of this body. So you use this body to perform the intentions of your spirit and your soul. So again, the things that have been talked about, the spirit, the things that have been talked about, the, the soul. Now your body is an instrument to go ahead and perform those intentions. And you can see it. Right? And so as far as objectives for this teaching, again, the role of the body... We're going to discuss what is the standard for the body. What is the standard for the body? What is the standard for your body? Right? And again, what I mean by standard, we're talking about as believers. God has a standard for your body. It's intended purpose. It's an intended use. And then we're going to see what is each member of the family unit responsibility as it pertains to the role of the body. Again, because I know that the, the minister here, he did, I mean, he did an excellent job of breaking down each one of the members of the family's responsibility when it came to the spirit. Again, we heard those things around the soul. And we're going to do the same thing with the body. I like that format. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and steal some of that from that brother because that was really good because you can break these things down based on the individual members of, of the family. So that's, response, that's another objective. We're going to see for the father, husband, you know, the male factor, for the wife, woman, for the children, what is your responsibility in the family unit when it comes to your body? And again, it's nothing new. You already heard it, but you're just going to hear it again. All right, so now for the believer, we're going to talk about the standard for your body. What is the standard for my body? Turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to launch off here. Romans chapter 12. As a believer, that means I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I have accepted Him, all right? And I'm walking with Him, all right? What is, as now, what is my standard I need to keep for my body? Romans chapter 12. Starting at verse number one, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So you can see there in verse 1, and I got, again, I'm trying my best to read these things slowly because I think sometimes we just glance over the Word of God. We think we know what it says. But read it, right? Because it really says something here, right? He says, I beseech you. That means this is what I urge you to do. This is the expectation of you. You notice he said, I beseech you. So when he's talking here to you, he's not talking about your body. He's talking about you. And he's giving you ownership of what, you're, what you need to do with your body. So he beseech you, brethren... By the mercies of God, I like this, by the mercies of God. By God's mercies, this is what you're required to do. Again, this is the believer. If you're not a believer, then I understand. You do what you do with your body. But a believer, this by the mercies of God making these statements. That you, again, present your body. So that, that lets me know right now that I can separate me from my body. That you can present your body. Get that. You are going to present your body. Again, think about all the teachings we talked about when it talks about spirit and, and soul and, and how, how the spirit of Christ lives in us. The spiritual authority that God has given us is, it dwells in us to help us so that we can present our body. We have to present our body. Right? So that means your body's not running you. You should be running it. See, I'm just trying, trying to help. Again, those that are believers. Again, I'm trying to get away from these statements where I just couldn't help myself. Yeah, you, 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 you couldn't help yourself. No, you could have helped yourself. Guess what? You didn't want to do it. Your body is just doing what you wanted to do. Again, this is expression of your spirit. This is expression of your soul. Your body is like, well, you know, you're just out of control. No, your, your body ain't out of control. You are out of control. And your body is expression of you being out of control. So again, it says that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And it says, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service means this is what is expected to you to do as a believer. It's reasonable. You know, I mean, my reasonable, this is like the, the baseline. You know, this is the baseline, right? This is like, well, I'm doing, I'm doing something. No, this is the baseline here. This is the standard. This is your reasonable service. As a believer, this is, what you, this is how you need to conduct yourself, present your body. That's your service. Right? 
And your service is present your body as a living sacrifice, as holy, as acceptable unto God. I love this because, you know, that's why I love the word of God. There's no gray, gray area here. He's very clear. Right. How you need to present your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. See, again, here's the contrast. And be not conformed to this world. Again, and be not conformed to this world. Again, he's still talking about your reasonable service. That means your reasonable service is not to be conformed to this world. That means when he's talking about your body, and we'll get into these things, right? That means that your body should not be conformed to this world. And that's your reasonable service. That means the world, this society, does not dictate to me how to present my body. Well, what dictates to me how to present my body? God does. By His Spirit that dwells in you. Again, going back to teachings on the Spirit. You know, that, you know I'll tell you something. That, you know, when it comes to being a believer, I mean, we, you know, we throw around terms, we say things. You know, there are benefits about being a believer. Here to me is one of the biggest benefits by, by being a believer. Again, I understand my eternal soul and my eternal salvation. Eternity is, is huge. But one another benefits about being a believer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in me. Now, as a sinner, the Holy Spirit ain't dwelling in you. But as my body, is, it is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. What does that mean? That means Christ is in me. The hope of glory. That means he is the one helping me to deal with my body. And how is he helping me deal with my body? He's making sure I'm conformed to the image of his son. The son of God. He's in you. He's not outside. He's in you. You know, there's something about being in you. What do I mean by in you? That means the spirit of God in you knows your thoughts. It knows your desires. It knows your struggles. It knows your hurt. He's in you. I mean, guess what? Somebody, if somebody's in you, that means you can't hide nothing. What can you hide from the Spirit of God? It knows. I'm saying it. He knows. Excuse me. He knows what goes on. Because the Spirit is, is He. He's part of the Trinity. He knows what goes on. So you can't hide nothing from the Spirit of God. He's in you. You can't fool Him and trick Him. You can't, you know, act like you have one motive and you got another motive. He knows what your motivation is. He knows. That comes with being a believer. Thank God for that. That's why the conviction is always there. Because the Holy Spirit is always there. That's why because before you do anything you do, the Holy Spirit will check you. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you thinking that? Why are you, been, why are you taking your body to that place? You know, like the Holy Spirit says to me, really? 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 That's all I need. Really? And I know what that means for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I repent. Really? The Holy Spirit lives in you. So he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and the perf- and perfect will of God. See, it, you know, here's the thing. That's why I said about this message, right? The body is for the Lord. It is all about God's purpose. Right? Understand that it's all about God. And, and how I need to present my body, I need to present my body in, in a way that pleases God. 
What do you mean, God? To please my heavenly Father. That's what that's that's what I that's what I need to do with my body. Whenever you're in doubt, whenever you know all the teachings you hear about, you're gonna hear about the body. Again, I'm just having my little portion of it. But when it comes down to it, if you're not sure, again, you're playing games, you say not sure, because like I said, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit will show you exactly what you need to do with your body. But here's the question. Is what you're doing with your body pleasing to God? There's no gray area. Right? Because here's the thing about, about the body, right? What you intake in your body. Is that pleasing to God? You know, I smoke a joint every now and then. Well, is that smoking a joint, taking a marijuana, is those drugs, is that pleasing to God? Because you're taking it into your body. See, we can play the legal game all we want with ourselves. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you will convict you every time. You know, your alcoholic habits, your occasional drinking. I only drink during the holidays. Is that drinking during the holidays pleasing towards God? Because I got to make sure what I'm doing is, is acceptable unto him. I got to prove what his perfect, good, and, and perfect will is of God. With my body. So if it's not pleasing to God, then why are you doing it? So that, that can address some things. Alright, so let's break down some of these things. Let's, let's dive into this a little further when it comes to these Aspects of how we the standard of God is for our body as a believer, right? So again, verse one: I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, what is again? What is the standard of your body as a believer? The standard of my body is to present my body a living sacrifice, to present my body holy, and to present my body acceptable unto God. That those three is the baseline of the standard for how I need to present my body. Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Again, all three of these things is my reasonable service. All three. Again, I'm not one out of three, two out of three or zero out of three. All three are your reasonable service as a believer. All right, so when it says living sacrifice, let's look at this. As a living sacrifice, how do I present my body as a living sacrifice? Again, there's two words here, right? Living and sacrifice. You know, and I like this about it's your, your, your body's living. Your body's a living organism. What does it mean by living? That means your body has a response. You know, something dead is not going to respond. Right? Your body is a living organism. It's living. So that means, guess what? Whatever you do as in, in this body, I mean, whatever you do towards this body, it's going to have an impact. It's going to shape. It's going to form things. It's going to put things in motion. That means whatever you do is going to impact your body. You're going to put things in motion even in your body. Here's the thing about your body, right? Here's the thing about any living organism, right? You can train a living organism how to behave or how to respond. You're training your body. It's a living organism. It's not dead. So that means, my, as a living sacrifice, that means I have to train, discipline this body. And guess what? That is your responsibility to do. 
you have to train, discipline. When the word buffet means, you know, train your body. Right? As a believer, because I'm telling you, your body, before you became born again, your body was trained in the things of this world. That's how you trained it. Right? You gave your body experiences to what you were experiencing to in the things of this world. It was conformed to this world. But now as a believer, now the body needs to be retrained. There's a training process that needs to happen. And that is your reasonable service. And how long does the training process take place? As long as you're on this side. Until this body returns to the dust of the ground. That means all your days you've got to continue to train your body. Because it's a living sacrifice. I'm telling you, these days you should know, recognize this, right? Because I'm going to tell you, if you start easing up, you start a, a regiment with your body, right? Then your body will start responding to it. And here's the first thing, you know, when you, any kind of regimen, again, you think about when you, if you change the way you eat or you change your exercise. The first response to your body is, oh, no. Why do we have to do this? No. Why are we cutting back on whatever? Why am I eating sweets? Why am I eating bread? You know, or, or whatever. Or why am I going to this? Why am I working? Why am I getting up at 5 a.m. or 4.30? You know, your body's going to respond like, oh, no. But then guess what? After a period of time, your body will be like, hey, let's get up, bro. Let's go. You don't train it. Right? You start, and then if you had, I'm saying, you had had sweet stuff in a while, you put sweets in your mouth, your body like, that's, that's too sweet. That don't even t- your body's already been trained. I tell you, God is so good. And how your body starts, now your body starts working with you. Again, your body's doing, understand it, it's, it's a process, right? It, you know, it, it, it's like sowing and reaping. It's a standard. What you put into your body is going to come out. You have to train it. That's your living sacrifice. Train your body. Discipline your body. That's your effort. Remember, you got control of that. And then as you go through that training process, as your body becomes accustomed to that regimen, then it will start responding. Right? It'll wake up. It'll wake you up. You know, you know it's just like going in, in, in the work. You know, if you're certain times that you wake up go to work every morning, even if it's a weekend, Saturday, Sunday, you know, it made your body still wakes up. You'd be so mad, like, oh. Or let, like, you know, we just passed, you know, Labor Day holiday come, like, I'm going to sleep in. Your body's like, no, you, I'm used to getting up at whatever, 5 a.m. I'm up. The body doesn't know nothing about no holiday. It, it knows about the training. And you get so mad. You know, again, that's the body. That's the living sacrifice. You have to train it. Right? So how am I training my body? So that's what he says, a living sacrifice. I got to train, discipline, buffet my body. I gotta, that means I got to deny my body those things. Get this, I got to deny, deny my body. Deny my body those things that are not holy, that are not acceptable unto God. You have to deny your body. That's the training process. Because again, remember, before it was conformed to this world. Now I have to train my body, deny my body those things that are not holy, that are not acceptable to God. I got to give it a new regiment. That's my reasonable service. You get to deny your body. Get this. It sounds so funny. You have to deny your body. You have to do that. That means you have to tell your body, no. 
Yeah, I understand some of y'all think, well, you, you know, you start talking to your body. I'm not crazy. You know, sometimes you know, a little crazy is good for you. Talk to your body. Because your body is crazy out of control because you've been out of control. Understand that. Don't blame the body. The body is just responding to what you've been teaching it for the last umpteen years. Now the retraining process happens. And the body's like, what are you doing? Well, we've got to train you. I've got to deny you those things that are not holy. I'm denying you those things that are not acceptable unto God. So what are those things that are not acceptable to God? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. Again, these are teachings that we've heard over and over again, but it's just so good to go back over these things. What are these things that are not acceptable to God that you've got to deny your body of? 1 John chapter 2. Look at this in verse 15. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Remember we talked about here about, hey, my body is for the Lord. I'm here to please God. I got to give my body, give my body those things that are acceptable to God, right? So that means these are the things it says of the world. If you have these things, the love of the the Father is not in you. So maybe you need to understand that things of this world I need to deny my body of. What are the things of these worlds that, that are unacceptable to God? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes the way, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So now, reading this passage, and I tell you that I had, you know, reading this scripture, the Lord had to correct me about some things. Right? Because <laughs> verse 16, it says, For all that's in the world, it says, the lust. And in my mind, in my, in my reading, you know, I'm used to putting plural on lust. You know, like lust with an S on it. No, it says the lust. So there's a the lust of the flesh. There's a the lust of the, of the eyes. Right? And then there's the pride of life. So now, what is the lust of my flesh that I need to deny my body of? The lust of my flesh. And then we, if you look at Galatians 5, it, it talks about the works of the flesh are, manifest, uh, are manifested, Right? Adultery, lasciviousness, idolatry, right? It talks about the works of the flesh. But he says, though works of the flesh are manifested, right? So that's just giving you an idea of, you know, these are the things that come out of the flesh. But the lust caused those things to come out. So there's only one lust that's in your flesh. And the manifestation of that lust is shown with those things, the works of the flesh. So when I talk about the lust of my flesh, it's all about... Self-satisfaction. Self-satisfaction. That's the lust of your flesh. All your flesh cares about is be self-satisfied. Self-satisfaction and self-gratification. That is your flesh. Right? And so that means i got to deny myself self-gratification? Your flesh is already talking to you. I ain't going to be able to do that. 
self-gratification, self-satisfaction. Yeah. Deny it. Train it. Teach your, your body that it's not all about you. It's about pleasing God. So I got to deny my, my, my body right, these things of the world, right? The things that are unacceptable to God. It's the lust. The lust of this flesh. Again, and, and flesh is talking about a lot, of these, a lot of these physical desires. If you go back and look at Galatians 5, the works of the flesh being manifested, a lot of things are, are you know, we focus on the sexual side, but it's more than sexual things. Right? You understand that. Lust is more than sexual. Right? And we focus on that because that's this world we live in. It's more than that. You know, there's, there's some uncontrolled appetites that you have that you've got to put under. And, you know, that could be eating. That could be how you work, your pursuit of the things of this world. Again, that's dealing with the pride. Again, that's in your, that's the lust. And your body's used to that. Your body's used to the lust of the flesh. Your body, like, oh, I can agree to that. So, no, it's, it's time to bring some buffets, some discipline to you. Those physical desires, when it comes out of the lust of the flesh. Then it talks about the lust, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. These are your perceived desires. The lust of the eyes. So that means your eyes see things and then the lust that your eyes see perceives a certain thing. And now you start lusting after it. It's the perception. It's, it's amazing to me about what your eyes, you know, it's amazing to me how we, how we see things and all of a sudden we perceive things. And like, you know, it's not, let me say, what you see ain't always real. <laughs> you, this is what you perceived, but that may not be reality. You know, again, we talk about, you know, dating and courting those things and how, you know, relationships and again, these things we brought up again to the men of integrity talked about those things. You know, every girl that smiles at you, brothers, don't, don't want you. But the lust of your eyes will say, oh, she wants me. And then the lust of the flesh is, yes, she does. Let's get it going. It's perception. And once your eyes see things, it forms a perception of its reality. But you've got to check it. How I check it? With the Word of God. See, that's why it's so important. There's some things, I'd say, there's some things you just shouldn't be looking at. There's some things you shouldn't expose yourself to. It really is. You know, or, or, you know, some things your eyes see and then, you know, you see it the first time, but then you go back and look, you know, second glance and a third glance and a fourth glance. No, no. Because then here comes the perception. That's the lust. The lust of the eyes. <clears throat> it's going after the pleasure that it sees. You know, that's how come, you know, you, you, you know, advertisement is so big, right? What does advertisement appeal to? The lust of your eyes. You know, you hadn't even thought about eating this or getting that until you see it advertised. All those commercials. And they have you thinking that you want that. You hadn't even thought about it. You know, that's why in certain, like, 
certain countries, you know, they, they have a whole, they control what comes on television. Let me say them. They control not only what you see on like TV, but they control even advertisements. There's certain things they say, uh, I, you're not even seeing this. They control the narrative. Because they understand the power that's in the lust of your eyes. You know, like you see other people in other countries, you know, their view about Americans that we're all rich and famous. Now, all Americans ain't rich and famous. And there's some cities we can take you to that ain't nothing rich and famous about it. Some neighborhoods I grew up in with nothing rich and famous about that. But that's not the perception that people see on TV like, oh, America, all. Oh. It's perception. That's the lust of the eyes. And your body's responding to that. It's conforming to that. And now it's going after those things. And you're like, it's working for me. No, it's working against you. But that's what you put before your eyes. Look at this in, in Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Proverbs 21. I'm telling you, be careful the things that you see or hear or look at. Hey, you know, some things you just don't want to expose yourself to. I, I, I know something I see, you know, I wish I never even saw that. I, I wish I never even heard that. Because, you know, you still, you're still, in your, you know, you're still dealing with now in your body. Proverbs 21. And again, you want, <laughs> let me get to this, right? Because you wonder how come your parents are the way they are, right? Certain things your parents are like, no, you know, you're not going to see that. In our mind, we can't wait to get older so we can see some of the things because our parents won't allow, allow us to watch. This is the reason why our parents won't allow us to watch certain things. There's a reason why our parents won't allow us to hear certain things. You know, there's a reason why as a child, there's called grown-up conversations and you not be involved in that. So my parents like, hey, I'm going to tell you, hey, I'm tell you my, my dad and mom was a stickler. They, they believed in that now. When they're having a grown-up conversation, you cannot be in shot of that. Right? Or you get hit in a place that you didn't know you even hurt. They did not play that. Right? It's the grown folks talking. And they said it one time. That means you don't even leave the room, you leave the house. Right? Because what they're finna talk about, they don't want you to hear. Guess it's none of your business. It's not going to conform you at all. It's not going to have any kind of impact on your body. So you just say, oh, you know, hey, you go outside and play. Right? Because they're having a grown full conversation. And then you're going to, you know, <laughs> and then you're going to try to butt in and say something like, you know, like you're going to add to the conversation, like you have some input. Oh, I know what they're talking about. Please. Please. And, and, and here's the thing. I got to go on. Here's the thing about growthful conversations, right, and your parents. Understand this. That doesn't change when you get older. <laughs> this conversation, my, I, last conversation I have with my mother is amazing. My mother, I talk to my mother about some things, but when she had growthful conversations, she's not asking my input. Right? She's not. It, it, it's time for me to, I need to exit myself from the premises and let her have her, her growthful conversation. Right? Because, again, I'm always her child. 
And she's still looking at things. You don't need to hear this boy. My mom, 50 plus. You don't need to hear this boy. Yes, ma'am. And I move on. Proverbs chapter 21. All right, Proverbs 21. Again, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. Proverbs 21, verse 17. Let's start there. Proverbs 21, verse 17. It says, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. So in verse 17, it's interesting. It says, he that loveth. And you see the TH on the end of the word love. That means it's continual action. So that means he that continually loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Then it says, he that continually loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Again, what is it talking about here? Again, in the context of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, right? When he talks about wine and oil, wine and oil are synonymous with a feast, with a banquet. You know, they would bring in wine and oil, uh, oil to, for their banquets. There's certain perfumes that we have, there's certain oils that they have to set the ambiance, right, for their celebration. But let me tell you something, every day is not a banquet. Every day is not a feast. And, and we get to a place where, we know, you know, you, you know, like think about, think about when you get married, right? Every day is not the wedding. Right? We think every day is a wedding. Every day is a production. Every day she has on white. And you have on your tux. And everybody's there. And you got the music going. Every day is not that when you get married. That's just a wedding. That's a one-time ceremony. But then marriage shows up after that. And then you get in marriage, you think it should be like, hey, why is it not like the wedding? No, that was just a ceremony. You know, that, hey, and then, so now you're looking for the, the pleasures of those things. But the reality of it is, no, that's not, that's not how things are. And now you're disappointed. Now you're wondering what's going on. You want to do, hey, how come I don't feel the same way I, I feel? Because guess what? That was a whole different atmosphere. But when it comes to marriage, when it comes to, you know, being in, in, in a marriage, right, it's not a wedding. It's not a ceremony. Why am I saying that? Because I'm telling you, that's why a lot of people love the wedding. I understand. But they get into the marriage, they're like, well, I can't, I, I don't want to stay married to this person. Uh, but yeah, but you wanted to get married to him. You wanted the wedding, the ceremony. Because what happens at a wedding? Going back to the, the flesh. It's all about you. You walk down the aisle, the music playing, all eyes are on you. You don't pick the music, you don't pick the flowers, you don't pick, it's all about you. But when you get married, it's not all about you. See, and that's what I mean about the lust of the eyes. Perceived reality. Perception kicks in. And it says those that love it. You love the ceremony. Right? You love the presentation. You love, you love the banquets. You love the feasts. Right? It said you get to that place where you, hey, you're not going to be rich. You're going to end up being a poor man. And again, I'll say this for, for you, you, know, you, you married couples, right? Especially for you, you husbands. Right? I'm saying that's the first argument you're going to have with your wife. You know what it's going to be about? Money. Money's going to be the first argument you're going to have. Let me say it different. Either it's going to be money or sex. One of those two is going to be the first argument you're going to have with your wife. 
Because at the wedding, money was easy. And guess what? The sex was easy. Right? It was expectation. That's what they called a honeymoon. I one brother said, it's going to happen. You know, it, it is what it is. That's the wedding. But after that, mm, it ain't is what it is no more. There's some responsibilities that kick in now. So as a husband, you got to say some things to your wife and, and say, okay, now we got to put ourselves on this kind of regiment. And here come the body that wasn't used to that kind of regiment. Now we got issues. Right? Because it's not the wedding. It's not a feast. It's not a banquet. You know, instead of eating what you eat, hey, guess what? Now we got to eat something different. You, gotta, you actually got to go to the store and cook. What? Yeah, buy some groceries. Turn the oven on. Right? Somebody got to clean up the house. Somebody got to wash. Right? Do laundry, fold clothes, iron, cook clean. I mean, none of that happened during the wedding. That was all taken care of for you. You see what I'm trying to say, right? That's, that's the lust. Right? And that's how come we get married. It's amazing how you think something's changed. No, nothing changed. The reality hit. You thought, you thought the wedding was a reality? That's the lust of your flesh and the, and the lust of your eyes. That's a one-time ceremony. It, it, again, I, I use another example. It's like going on vacation, right? You know, we got an opportunity to go on a vacation here recently. And again, went to a, a place. It was a beautiful place. Beautiful uh, resort area. Nice. The rooms were beautiful. But, that, hey, that, that was vacation. We get back home. Uh, you know, our place don't look like that. We don't have maid service. Room service. You know, they, I get on the phone. Every beck and call, you just texting. You know, every, no, it's not like that. They got a ride waiting for you here, a ride waiting for you there. Can we help, help you sit down? To your, I mean, it's not like that. <laughs> you know, at, at home when you sit down and eat, nobody's helping you to your table. Right? You go sit down. Right? And, and say, for most married couples, your wife's not fixing your plate either. I know some husbands, they're like, no, my wife will fix my... You be, hey, you be sitting there, you be hungry. She's going to sit down and eat and like, boy, you got two hands, you better get up and go get your plate. The food is on the oven. See, that's what I'm saying. You love those things. Again, we, I, don't get We're still talking about this body. I'm saying these things that plays into relationships amaze me. These are the small foxes that spoil the vine in relationships. And ministering to the family. <clears throat> because your reality is wrong when it comes to how things really are. Because of the lust of your flesh. The lust of the eye. And you love those things. You got to get away from being lover of, lover of pleasures. Can love pleasure. Right? Again, like I say, every day is not Friday. Every day is not payday. Let me, let me get you this. Let me help you understand when it comes to payday. In order to get paid means you have to work. Everybody looking forward to payday, but it ain't work. And work is called labor. That means you're getting paid for the services that you perform. You got to put in the work. That's what marriage is. It's called work. Marriage is called labor. Matter of fact, the Bible calls it a distraction. You got to put in the work. As a husband, as a wife. And your body is going to be there. You have to train your body to, to, to teach it how to put in that work when it comes to marriage. Because before that, your body, your body wasn't used to have to deal with nobody else. 
Your body used to dealing with it, with itself. And you used to presenting your body a certain way, but now you are married. Now all of a sudden your body's like, wait a minute. It's not about me no more. No, it's not. I said, we's married now. Body, you got to put in the work. And it's a continued basis. That means I can't love the pleasure. Don't look for a banquet and a feast every day. And there's times I have that. Again, I mentioned that we went out of town for <clears throat> your recent vacation. That was a celebration of an of a, of a, a anniversary. Again, that's time to celebrate. I'm saying that's the time to roll out the red carpet, as they say. Anniversary, celebrate. What do I mean by celebrate? Spend some money. You know, spend money that you put away for now. Plan it. Celebrate it. Discipline your flesh. Go do it up. Right? But every day is not the celebration. Every day is not vacation. And so in, in marriage and a husband and wife, these are things that you have to train your body that now that you're in a holy matrimony before God. I had to train this body. Again, that's my living, uh, uh, my reasonable service as, as a living sacrifice. I got to train this body. I can't be loved. And that's why I love this passage in, in Proverbs twenty-one seventeen. You love it to pleasure. You're going to be a poor man. Because you're going to spend all your time and money on things about pleasure. And, and tell you what, this is, the thing about, this is the thing about pleasure, right? Pleasure only lasts for a moment. But guess what? That money's gone forever. <laughs> you can't go back and like, oh, it ain't like you're going to go get a refund. You know, it ain't like you're going to spend all and go do, experience something. Okay, now I'll get my money back. No, it's gone. It's spent. It's gone. Right? And then the money that you just spent on some use, all this pleasure, and then all of a sudden the reality is called bills. And then here comes, you know, the marriage happens, right? Like I said, money, bills. And now you're sitting there and you, you, you got this much income coming in, and you have this many bills, and you just spent the bill money on pleasure. Right? Now how you expect your wife to treat you. And you wonder why she's frustrated. She's mad. Because you just spent the money. Where did it go? And, he, and again, this is the thing about pleasure, right? You know, like they say, take two to tangle. You know, both of y'all can be in the pleasure. Both of y'all enjoy the pleasure. Right? But when them bills hit, everybody's mad at each other. We, the blame game starts. You know how the blame game does, right? Well, you didn't say nothing. If you didn't want to go, you should have said something. Huh? If I didn't want to go, you should have seen. I'm going to tell you all these things. It's a blank. Instead of saying, you know something, here's what we're going to do. Plan it out. Right? Unless you just have it going on like that. Unless you've got an endless bank account where you just flow your money like that. Then that's a whole different story, right? But I don't think you're on that level. Right? But other than that, hey, you've got to plan these outings. Plan these, uh, these, you know, celebrations, these banquets. Don't be lover of pleasures. Everything your eyes see don't mean you got to have it. Husbands understand that. You ain't got to all have the latest gadgets, latest electronics, whatever you're in. You know, that was, that was your single day when you were unmarried. But when you get married, you can't blow money like that because your wife's like, what? You know, you, you got more packages coming in the house than she do. Amazon delivery, like, that's for you or me. They stacked up that door. His and her collection. She ordered her stuff. 
you are on your stuff and ain't no bills getting paid. And the mailbox full of bills. They got little pink slips on them. Overdue. But y'all got stuff for days inside. See, I'm t- this, is, this is what I mean about the lust. I hope you understand. This is the, the body has to be trained differently. Because let me say this to you. Let me close with this. And I want to get to the pride of life. We'll get to the pride of life uh, next time. But I'm going to tell you something. It's so easy living with your parents. You want me by that? When you see how your parents do things, you're like, oh, it's, it's easy staying there. Because you don't know the inner workings that goes on when it comes to finances. On the outside looking in, you're like, oh, I can do what my parents do until you have to do it. Right? Because when you live with your parents, you can blow money. And get, you can blow money and still eat. But when you're on your own, you blow that money, you and your wife may not be eating. And then when you call your parents, you go to your parents' house, they're eating all this good food and all that. Mom and Dad, what you cook today? Oh, we made meatloaf. Meatloaf? And when you was at the house, you hated meatloaf. Now it's an that meatloaf sound good. You're tell hungry because you don't blow the money. Right? That's why it's so important why you and your parents' house learn to start this process of disciplining your flesh, disciplining your body. Prepare yourself for these other days to come when he talks about marriage. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.